Hey y'all, hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in to King Outdoors Podcast. We have a special guest here today, Kahil. Go check him out on Instagram, kh underscore archery. I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but at least I tried. So stay tuned. Alright guys, I just want to say thanks for tuning in again. Uh, I'm just going to have Kahil here introduce himself. Well, uh, hi, my name's Khalil Hasney. Um, so I'm an IT engineer by day, starving bow hunter by night. Um, okay, what uh, what state are you from? Louisiana. Louisiana. Okay, okay. So basically, do you are you more of a hunter, or are you more of a, like a target shooter? You'd say. Um, I'd say both, really. Um, I'm more of a archery enthusiast. So, mm-hmm. you know, from October to February, I'm mainly focused on hunting. And then um, when hunting season is over, it's all about target archery. Ah, okay. So what, what first got you like in the hunting in the first place? And like, how young were you when you first started? Um, actually haven't been hunting my whole life. Um, I didn't really grow up in a hunting friendly household, so I never really had the chance growing up. I joined the military straight out of high school and lived overseas for my entire military tour. So it wasn't until I moved back home after I got out of the military and really had the opportunity when I was out of my own to, uh, to get into hunting. So been hunting for a little while and then I decided to uh pick up bow hunting as a way to get out in the field a little bit longer getting get in the woods a little bit earlier and I just kind of fell in love with archery and uh the rest is kind of history okay so well thank you for your service so you you first came to archery as like more of a hunting perspective I take it yeah yeah Bow hunting was like my my primary focus at first. Um, you know, so here in Louisiana, bow hunting season opens one October and runs until January thirty first. It varies a little bit in parts of the states. Some open in like early September and run until some parts run till like mid February, but it's mainly October one through January thirty first. Yeah. So, so I saw that as an opportunity just to spend more time in the woods. And then as I began practicing and stuff, I just kind of fell in love with archery. Okay. Very cool. I, I've always had nothing for the woods. I just love being out in the woods rather than cooped up inside all day. But, uh, what do you, being in Louisiana, would you prefer fields or woods over anything? More woods. Um, where I'm at in southeast Louisiana, it's it's really more swamp than anything. Um, really flat, not a lot of elevation changes. Um, so it's really just trying to find the dry spots in the swamp. <laughs> very cool. Well, where we hunt here in Wisconsin, I uh, we have very like marshy property, so I kind of can feel you there. But other than that, what what's your coolest what's your coolest hunting experience? What's the coolest hunt you've ever been on? 
Um, well, a couple of those. I guess the the one that comes off the top of my head is uh, a couple of years ago, I was out in uh, hunting some public land uh, not too far from where I live. And um, it was primitive season. So in Louisiana for primitive season, you can use you know your traditional uh, muzzle loaders, but you can also use center fire rifles and shotguns as long as they're uh, break action with an exposed hammer. So I had oh, really my... that's kind of cool. It is. It opens up for a lot of a uh, lot more weaponry choices. I had my my grandfather's twelve gauge um, that he bought in like the nineteen fifties. And it was okay. handed down to me not too long ago, but so I'm out there for primitive season, and there's a lot of deer and hogs on the public land I was on, and my goal was just pretty much first thing that moves. <laughs> I wasn't too picky, mm-hmm. but a nice big old hog comes uh, trotting by. Lay my, I lay my sights on him, shoot him. He goes down, rolls. And immediately pops right back up and charges <laughs> straight at me. You're kidding. I swear. And it, it freaked me out. I had um, I had a sidearm on me because I have a concealed carry permit. So I'm allowed to carry a sidearm while on uh, public lands. Uh-huh. And I didn't know what else to do. So I dropped the 12 gauge, draw my sidearm hit him once with that and right as I draw my sidearm he gets he's about 10 yards from me and turns and starts running off in another direction I hit him with that he's still running so I grab my shotgun throw another shell in there and I'm hunting with um, triple out buckshot so hit him again with that and he finally goes down and that was just that was one of the freakiest hunting experiences I've ever had. Later on when I was cleaning them, I found so I found about 15 buckshot pellets and I was using nine nine pellet triple lot buck. So I hit him with you know the majority of all those loads and he it still took two two shells and a 10 mil slug to bring him down. Jeez. I think all in yeah, all that, that would have been, yeah. been scary. I would probably would have cracked my pants. Oh yeah, I'm charging at me. <laughs> yeah, I had about done that. He was he was a big a big guy too. He was probably about 125 pounds. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So for a pig, you know that's you know that's a decent size. Yeah, I've never never not pig hunting at all. I want to. But yeah, I I enjoy. I enjoy wild pork more than I do venison. It's good meat. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard people say the other way on that. They like venison better than that. Well, I guess it, it really, I guess, depends more on the the pig, too. If you get, you know, a really old boar, you know, sometimes the meat's not that great. But you get something good size, right around 100 pounds. And it's been eaten well, been eaten off acorns and stuff. It tastes pretty good. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, would you say it tastes like a normal pig from like the store? Yeah, it just it tastes like really good pork. Oh wow! Okay, they're cool. I mean, I've had pigs that my uncle killed because he raised them. 
and I just had some slabs of bacon from him. But that's about it. <laughs> but uh, anyways, what made you want to start like target shooting, for example, shooting competitions? Um, so I'm a bit of a John Dudley knock on archery fan, and you know he talks about getting into target shooting to help build your archery skills as a bow hunter. You know, I think, and I definitely think that's something that a lot of people uh, overlook is, you know, to be a good bow hunter, you also have to be a good archer. You know, you have to be able to, to make those difficult shots in the moment of truth and be able to make those shots under pressure. Because uh, if not, you know, you're just, you're just out there wasting time because you're not going to be able to hit where you're aiming at. So I kind of, uh, the, the local archery shop around here has, has 3D tournaments. So I went to a couple of those, really enjoyed it, and decided I wanted to get more serious into uh, competitive archery. And, you know, last year I did, um, last summer was just kind of crazy with all the COVID stuff, but I did two of the ASA national tournaments. And this summer I plan on doing the entire tour except for one tournament. Wow. Jeez, that's pretty. I've always wanted to go out and shoot. Obviously, I'm only I'm only 16, so it's not like it's not as easy for me. But I've always wanted to do that, and I've always looked up to like you know Levi Morgan, yep, and people like that. And me personally, I want to get into it. So, how would you tell someone like like me wanting to get into that? How would you tell like other people like me who want to get into archery, get into it? Uh, well, the first thing is just go by your local archery shop. Uh, they should at least be able to point you. If they don't do tournaments, they should be able to at least be able to point you in the right direction of, you know, maybe other archery shops or archery clubs um, in the relative area that that uh, have tournaments. Um, Facebook's a good resource. You know, if you look up your state and ASA, ASA is the Archery Shooters Association. They have state chapters in, I, I want to say, like, 30 states. Um, wow. And they'll do state-level shoots. So they'll have, you know, a, a normal season, you know, around the state, and then they'll do a state championship. Um, there's IBO as well. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with IBO because it's not very popular down here in Louisiana. But they have a similar program. They... I know they do. They have a similar national tour to ASA, but the best thing to do would just be to go to your local bow shop and kind of, you know, ask around. Somebody, somebody there competes. If they don't, they know somebody locally who competes, and that's kind of really the best way to get into it. You can, you know, there's ASA, there's IBO, there's um, NFAA, which is the National Field Archery Association. You, know, you can go to all their websites and see their tournaments, their tournament schedules. Um, and then they have, most of those have resources on there for their individual state chapters as well to kind of, you know, look through all that stuff. Interesting. So what is, what is your mind going through when you're actually in the stand versus when you're, you know, ready to shoot like in competition? Is it like the same, same moment or? Yeah. And that, that's one of the great things about competition is it gets you, it helps you mentally prepare yourself for that, 
pressure. You know, you're standing there, you know, at, on the shooting line and you've got, you know, a couple strangers behind you, people you don't know. You don't want to look like a fool. You know, you want to do well in the tournament, you know, whatever. You're So you're, you're mentally preparing yourself for that, that stressful situation and how to operate efficiently and follow your shoot, your shot process and just be able to kind of in a way bury those emotions of you know stress or anxiety that you might have in competition and be able to bury those put those aside and focus on the task at hand so you know competition archery and bow hunting really kind of go hand in hand that way they help you just hone your mental game. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, like archery is really cool. Like I always wanted to do it. Like obviously as a bow hunter myself, I shoot bow all time. Like I shoot it rather than a normal kid growing up playing video games. I, I usually always shot bow instead, you know, always outside. I love shooting archery. It's so fun. But like, when it comes to gear, how much different is your gear? Like, what's your different, like, like is your stabilizer shorter, obviously, for hunting? Yeah, you know, and that's that is another great thing about competition archery. You know, you know, working in the competitive thing is because it really teaches you about your bow. You really learn your equipment and all those fundamentals that you take from building a very accurate target bow. You can apply those to your hunting bow. So, you know, I have, I run a sidebar on my hunting bow, just like I do on my target bow. My hunting bow has a 12 inch front bar and an eight inch back bar. I also shoot with, with the quiver on my bow, um, to add a little bit more mass weight. Um, cause I shoot, I shoot about 150 arrows a day on average. And, oh, wow. you know, m- most of that is with my target bow. Um, especially, you know, in September, you know, in October, I'm really focusing on the hunting bow, but other outside of that, I'm mainly shooting my target bow. So my target bow, I've got like, let's say 25 ounces of additional weight on my stabilizers. And just the bow itself is a little bit heavier than my hunting bow. So with my hunting bow, you know, if I don't have a lot of mass weight on the bow, it's just too light for me personally. And, you know, that's one of the things with stabilizers is they're really unique to the individual shooter and their shooting style and their physical strength. So with my, with my VXR, I have, let's see, what is that? Eight inches on or eight ounces on the front and 11 ounces on the back so that's an extra 20 ounces on the bow plus the quiver which gives it a little bit more mass weight okay and then wait i think do you shoot the trx for your competition bow or yeah so i for my my target bow is the trx 36 and then my hunting bow is the vxr 31 and a half Okay, so obviously I can tell why you like Matthews because you like heavier bullets. <laughs> yeah, and also you know I 
I've kind of settled on Matthews just because there's not um, there's not a Hoyt dealer anywhere really near me. Um, and then you know we have a Elite and PSE not too far and Bowtech, but I just you know I, I my first kind of I guess top of the line bow or not you know like entry level bow was a Matthews tactic and I really just kind of liked the bow I liked how it was built I didn't have trouble with it so you know I'm kind of one of those people when I find a brand that I like and I trust I'll stick with it right right that's that's how I feel I mean here in uh, Wisconsin obviously Matthews is local to us yeah but I've always thought like you know having a lighter bow would help but I also think having a heavier bow would help. Like I don't know. Well, I was, I think more heavier bows would fit me more, just because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it really depends on your your individual shooting style and what you like. You know how how you like your bow to respond, and you know I prefer a heavier bow because you know same concept as having a heavy rifle. It's just it's more inherently accurate because it's harder to move like when you flinch and stuff you know if you have if you have a bad shot and you flinch it's a lot going to be it's going to be a lot more noticeable with a lighter bow than it will be with a heavier bow right i see what you're saying like the torque wise and stuff yeah. like that i i see so what kind of like sights you're on different sites? Um, I run spot hogs on both my hunting bow and my target bow. For my hunting bow, it's the the standard fast eddy that, you know, like everybody uses. And then for my target bow, I use the hog father, which is basically the exact same thing as the fast eddy. Just it has micro clicks on it. So I can really micro click to the exact yard that I want as opposed to just kind of a mm -hmm. slider knob, which can you know sometimes can be a little bit a pain to dial exactly to you know the very minuscule that you want yeah i see you there so you the other for your hunting bow that's baja that's a single pin yeah i'm using actually the the double pin which is a single um it's a single up pin and there's a fiber optic dot at the top and then about a third of the way down there's a second fiber optic dot. So it's the two dots are fixed. You can't adjust them, but on your slider knob, on your sight scale, there's a, um, a needle for both the top pin and the bottom pin. Oh, really? Yes. And the, that's kind of nice. Uh, I've always like thought in my mind, like, you know, when you're hunting, and you see a deer, and, you know, you pull back on a deer, and he's like 30 yards, mm -hmm. and he comes running towards you. He's then he's 20 yards, and you have to let down and adjust your pin. Yeah. But having that, I tell you, you can easily, is it like 10 yards apart? Yeah, so the way the way it is um, on my bow, with how fast my bow is and how my sight's set, the top pin is 20 yards, and then the second pin is 35 yards. So, you know, for... 20, 25 yards. I just pretty much hold the hold the top pin wherever I want, and it's flat enough shooting that there's not a major difference between point of impact at 20 and 25, and then 25 to 30 
I just kind of straddle with the two pins, you know, so if I want to hit, you know, right, you know, right in the lungs, top pin kind of hold that at the back strap, bottom pin will sit there right there um, at the bottom of the chest cavity. And, you know, I'll hit right, hit right where, right in between the two of them. And then 30 and in, right, right. 30, 30 and out rather, I can just use that, um, that second pin. And then if I want to take a shot past 35 yards, you know, I just aim a little bit high with that second pin or preferably I would adjust my sight. You know, I typically wouldn't take a shot past 35 yards if I didn't have time to adjust my sight. Right, right. So on a deer saying you wouldn't take take a shot past 35 yards or you would? I w- for me, my... If you had time to adjust. My, like, hard limit is 50 yards. I won't shoot past 50 yards on a deer. But that's, like, under perfect conditions. Um, so, you know, a calm deer out in the middle of, like, a food plot with no, you know, no branches or anything like that, no wind nothing you know just kind of perfect scenario would be 50 yards and then start throwing in other factors like wind or maybe the deer skittish or you know tight shooting lanes something like that then that slowly or that kind of quickly turns to like 40 yards as a kind of a max distance right so me myself i uh i'm not like you know yeah probably i wouldn't consider myself like a good shot like you but like i think i can hit the the lungs and stuff every time, like 30 yards and in. So me myself, knowing that I probably could miss, obviously, at 50 yards, I wouldn't take that shot. But you, on the other hand, you shoot a lot, which also helps you, which I need to do so I can, you know, eventually get there. But Yeah, I mean, it, your, your kind of self-imposed max distance with, with archery is really, you know, it's, it's a personal choice, however far you feel comfortable. I don't think there's... You know, there's obviously, you know, unethical shots. You know, I wouldn't shoot at a whitetail with a bow at 100 yards, you know, even if I was Levi Morgan, you know, and I had his shooting ability. But, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with, you know, having a shorter, you know, maximum distance if that's where you're comfortable at. It's all bow hunting such an individual thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, me and myself, I like, like, I can't always blame, you know, equipment and stuff like that. You know, I accept things for me that I have to correct. So, like, for example, target panic is a big thing for me. And, you know, adjusting to be the best shot I could possibly be, you know, is kind of hard for me, but, you know. That's something as an individual you have to figure out by yourself because everyone's different. But uh, what releases do you run? Do you run different releases versus target bows and hunting? Um, no, mainly now I have. So I originally shot a wrist strap, just kind of like everybody else does. You know, that's where pretty much where everybody starts off. And then I ended up getting the knock on silverback which is a resistance activated release. And that helped me out a lot. That really, you know, helped with my form and follow through and pulling through the shot to get a a clean surprise shot. 
and then I ended up getting the knock to it, which is a thumb trigger. And the two, those two just, they're designed to be interchangeable. So you can really, you know, you practice with the silverback and you get that good follow through, that good pull through shot. And then that immediately just transfers over to the thumb button. If you're used to that, you know, back tension pull through shot, you just place your thumb over the trigger and pull through and slowly build pressure and the shot will break. Um, and then I've recently switched to the Carter first choice, which the knock on knock to it is based off of actually it's the exact same release as the Carter wise choice. And the wise choice is the same as the first choice. The difference between those is the knock to it and the wise choice have an enclosed index finger they have the you know the full loop for the index finger and the first choice is has an open index finger so the the internal bits of them though are all the same so i switched to the first choice because i wanted a three finger rather than the two finger that the knock to it is okay so you shoot thumb buttons i take it when you're hunting or do you prefer oh you do okay and obviously when you're target shooting you would like uh back tension of course right well i i for competition i shoot the thumb button as well um the knock to it now for me really is just more of a training tool um but i did hunt with it i have hunted with it in past all last season i used it um and i took a deer with it last season um it's a it's a great release and really i wouldn't say you know just go buy one and then go out hunting with hunting with it because you really have to learn it and build the confidence with it but once you learn it and you're you know you're comfortable with it it's fully capable of you know being a good hunting release but i now i do the thumb button just because it's a little bit more consistent than the silverback so and I'm a little bit more accurate with it. Right. And say someone who has a case of like target panic, I think uh, back tension would help prevent that or help make it better. Yeah. Uh, so there's really two schools of thought with archery and base, uh, shooting. So there's the, the back tension surprise shot. And then there's what people call command shooting, which is, really another way for a really another way of saying punching the trigger. Um, and some people are really successful with command shooting. You look at uh, pro archer, Till, Tim Gillingham, he's a command shooter and he, you know, he does great with it and he teaches people how to do it. And, you know, it just, it works. Um, I don't have the mental fortitude to be a command shooter. I would end up anticipating way too much and, you know, just shooting like crazy. Um, but yeah, if you have target panic, learning a back tension shot is, would really help you. Um, you know, using something like the silverback or another resistance activated release, Carter has, you know, Carter makes the silverback as well. They have the whole Carter evolution line, which is, um, the same 
it's the the same thing as the Silverback um, Stan, the the release company Stan S T A N. They make um, resistance activated releases. I think Trueball just released one this year, um, and then knock knock to it uh, knock on. They just uh, brought out the back strap, which is a, a wrist strap version of basically it's a wrist strap version of the Silverback. Um, but yeah, learning those, learning how to do a back tension shot will really should, you know, it should help cure your tiger panic. That's really kind of how that shooting style came about was to help overcome target panic in the first place. Right. Right. So what'd you say, like, do you see more like back tension or do you see more like thumb butt in target world? You know, and it's, yeah, you see a little bit of everything. Um, I'd say the most common is either a thumb button or a hinge style release. Um, you see some some people using the wrist strap, um, but it's more common is a handheld release, either a thumb button or a hinge. Right, right. And what, what, going back to the gear stuff, uh, arrows. Do you use the same type of arrows when you're hunting? Probably not. Obviously not. Wait, I take that back. <laughs> so the same weight, I should say. Uh, no. So I shoot for for competition archery. I shoot um, unknown distance 3D. So with that, your arrow speed is kind of critical. If your arrows are moving too slow, your pin gaps are going to be, you know, way too long, and it's going to be um, difficult to accurately judge yardage and get a good shot or get good shot placement. So you want to have your arrows as fast as you can get them. So you want something light, you know, like my 3D arrows are about 385 grains, whereas my hunting arrows are 475 grains. So, you know, with hunting, obviously, you know, you want a little bit more mass weight to give you better penetration. You know, there is the whole extreme FOC movement going on right now, um, whether you, if you buy into that or not. Um, but, you know, physics doesn't lie. Mass weight helps with penetration. So, you know, I use Black Eagle Rampage for my hunting arrows, which is um, um, a micro diameter shaft. And they have a they come standard with like a 50 grain insert so i pair that with a 100 125 grain broadhead and so i've been pretty impressed with the performance of them so far um and then for my um my target arrows i'm shooting the black eagle ps23s with like 130 grains up front okay have you have you always shot like? No, I shot Easton for a while. I did um, Full Metal Jackets last year, um, which those are a good shaft. I, you know, I really like them. The problem with them is though, is they start to bend over time. You know, they'll. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I used to shoot those, and I just I don't know why. Me myself, I shoot a lot, so you know, 
through time they start bending. Yeah. It's like, oh. yeah, and then, yeah. I guess if you used maybe something like the Easton um, ACCs, which is like a reverse full metal jacket, it's got the aluminum on the inside and then the carbon exterior. I don't think those have the same issues with bending, but unfortunately with the FMJs, you know, if you like hit them with another arrow, they'll dent and stuff like that. And just, it causes accuracy issues over time. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to try those, those axes yeah. too. I've never actually tried them yet, but I want to, have you ever um, tried them? I haven't shot them in my bow, but I have experience messing with them. They are, they're a pretty good arrow. They have, you know, pretty thick carbon. Um, they're a little bit heavier for their spine. Um, I think they're more, I want to say they're close to like nine and a half grains an inch for like a 350, which is kind of heavy for, for a 350 spine. Um, but they're, they're good. They're sturdy arrow. So if you want to build like a sturdy, you know, overall heavy arrow and not do like an extreme FOC kind of thing, uh, they'd be really good. Okay. So well, would you consider yourself more of a hunting guy or target guy? Like if you had to pick one thing, like what would it be? I would probably go more to target shooting. Um, yeah, hun- hunting's really? fun, but there's just – you know, right now, really, I'm just waiting until target season. You know, I still have another lo- another month left here of bow season, but you know, I'm just focused on target season. Interesting. Yeah, shooting bow is so fun. I've always wanted to get into that, and you know, we have this. Uh, at least that I know of, there's only one close by to me like archery competition and that's like a a broadhead only mm. type of thing so would would you prefer have you you probably been in more like not hunting bow but target bow shooting and would you say there's like a lot of people who do it or would you say you know you have a shot at the big leagues like you can make it well my my goal is to end up um, shooting professionally. Um, there's not a lot of guys that really um, can shoot full-time and you know earn a living that way. Most full-time archers have some sort of other day job. Most, most uh, professional archers. So, yeah, I would like to end up making it into the pro status eventually. Um, I'm going to be shooting semi-pro this year with ASA because they eliminated the class that I was in last year. Apparently there were just, I guess there wasn't enough participation in it. So they decided to cut that class. Um, But um, yeah, I do know there's, um, you say you're from Wisconsin, right? Um, I believe the Bowfest is in Wisconsin. Which is a big... Are you familiar with Total Archery and Total Archery Challenge? Mm, Um, Yes, So Total Archery... So Bowfest is like a similar event to Total Archery Challenge where, you know, they just kind of set up, you know, really big and um, uh, kind of extravagant 
the 3D ranges, you know, and so they have that event, and then they are also partnered with OPA, the Organization of Professional Archery, which they have amateur divisions as well. So there's that, and then um, does Total Archery... I don't think they do. They don't have one in Wisconsin, but they have my geography is terrible. There's uh, like Montana and um, they do one in South Dakota and I think Michigan, which are, I know oh, they're, yeah. they're up on that half of the country. I, that, my geography is terrible. Oh, you're good. You're good. So, uh, rest, I forgot to ask you about rest. Uh, obviously, you would shoot different. I've seen a lot, lot different rests going into target archery versus. Hunting. Well, I actually shoot the same rest, just slightly tweaked a little bit for hunting and for target. I use the Hamsky Hybrid, which is a, a limb-driven dropaway rest. Um, so for my hunting bow, I have the hunting version, which instead of a metal launcher blade, it's a solid, it's a, like a thick plastic launcher blade, and it's got a um, a cage around it to, so your your arrow doesn't go, you know, so it stays where it's supposed to be. And then on my target bow, I use the target version of the Hamsky Hybrid, which um, has a, you know, what you would think of like a target blade, you know, kind of the, the thin metal launcher um, and it doesn't have any of the 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 cage around it to keep your arrow in place. But mechanically, they're the same rest. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I I use a drop away mm-hmm. a QAD QAD something, but I've you know it's something I've always shot and uh, would like to keep it obviously in the future, but. Uh, yeah, and back to the hunting side of things, do you, uh, what do you, I guess, what do you do for, like, scent control-wise? Or do you not um, do anything? So for scent control, I I wash all my stuff in um, unscented detergent, and, you know, I, I dry it without any dryer sheets or anything like that. And then as soon as it's done in the dryer cycle, I throw all my clothes into like a big rubber bin, one of the um, big rubber storage bins and put the lid on it to help keep any, uh, any scent from getting on them. I have two dogs and a cat. So my house, my house just smells like pets, but, uh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, you like, you put any like, dope pee on your boots or do you like you know like use a dipping stick at all i've always wanted to try it i've asked people but i just i got it no I've, I've messed around with it in the past uh using dough and dough and estrus and stuff but um you know i kind of more go on the philosophy of i don't want them to smell me i don't want to be upwind um and i try to plan my access by you know where the deer won't be going so if you know if i can sneak into a spot where you know say i'm hunting a trail or a food plot you know i won't go anywhere near 
where I think the deer will be coming from, you know? So I don't leave any kind of ground scent. And then I always make sure that I have the wind, you know, in my favor. Yeah. Either preferably blowing the way that I came in, which will usually be an area where that I wouldn't expect any deer to be. Right. Right. And say me personally, I would Mm -hmm. use doe urine, but I would only use it during the rut, like the peak of the rut. And other, that's the same thing goes Mm -hmm. for gun calls and, you know, stuff like that. I would only use that stuff during the rut. You know, I wouldn't rattle Mm -hmm. or anything like that past the rut or early season or late season. You know, I'm always, it's like rut or nothing. No, it's like, yeah. like obviously I hunt not mm-hmm. only during the rut, but like I hunt otherwise and I don't use anything like that. Like, yes, I use scent control stuff, but I don't yep. use stow urine and rattle and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard people, I've heard of people having um, good results from rattling like in the very, very early season, um, but not rat- full on rattling like you would during the rut where you're, you know, just slamming horns together and, you know, bloody in your knuckles and stuff, but just kind of, um, lightly rattling horns because in that early season that like that tail end of summer and, um, early fall, you know, bucks will still kind of be roaming around in bachelor groups and they will, they'll kind of spar a little bit, you know, they won't really be full on fighting, but they'll just kind of, you know, just kind of messing around, getting a feel for each other and stuff and kind of do a little bit of light sparring. So if you rattle like that, where, you know, just kind of light rattling in the early season, the idea is you can maybe attract in, you know, other bucks passing by just to kind of come over and, you know, see what's going on. Really? I've never really heard of that. I got to try that out. Yeah, I haven't. I personally haven't tried it, but it's something I've, um, I've heard about several times and I've, I've thought about doing, it. I just haven't really messed around with it. I tend to just be more of the, you know, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. I, I prefer just to kind of, you know, quiet in, quiet out. Right. Right. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. Well, I just want to, I want to thank you for coming on this podcast. I really enjoyed it. And I learned a lot about like target shooting, which I really want to get into right now. I'm kind of just, you know, hunting bow guy, which I love shooting archery. I've never been able to actually go out there and do target. Well, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me. It was great talking with you. And, um, you know, definitely look into getting into target archery. Um, if you, you know, you have my contact info. If you, uh, or you know how to get a hold of me if you have any questions and stuff. Yeah, right on. Dude. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate having you on here. And I hope all you guys listening uh, learned something today. I sure as heck did. And I hope you guys have a good day. Have a good day. Thanks, man. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I learned a lot from Target Archery there, and I really want to get into it. So stay tuned for some more podcasts, and have a good day. Peace.